Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, and welcome back to Blaster Cannon Podcast, your official Den of Geek Star Wars podcast. Part of the podcast or uh, podcasting network of Den of Geek, I, I guess you should say. And with me is one of my hosts, Megan. Greetings. Greetings. And we are not unfortunately joined by Saf today. Saf is uh, unfortunately unavailable. We, we but she does have a uh, one uh, thing she wants to mention later on, which we will bring up in, later on in our main topic. But uh, yeah, so today we've got a, a couple things uh, to talk about, but. I guess it's kind of like the calm before the storm, Megan. We've got celebration approaching rapidly fast. Uh, this episode's probably going to come out about almost what uh, a week before celebration, and then it's basically just going to be just all hell breaking loose as soon as next week happens. Essentially, yes. Right? So. We were trying to be so careful with how we scheduled these episodes because we know that celebration is going to be insane. And while there has been sort of a trickle of news before that. The real stuff's going to happen next week. Two out of three of us are going to actually be at the show. I will not be. Paul and Saf will be there in person for, I will not like doing anything formal. They'll just be there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and for people who won't, you know, or who are interested in, in how me and Megan and Saf kind of know each other. I, I don't I don't know about you and Saf, Megan, but I know me and you got to know each other at the, our, at a celebration in 2015, which was my first celebration and uh we became friends there and so oh, it's yeah, kind of we knew each other through justin yeah and then justin. i met saf at celebration anaheim i'd known her on twitter but we first met for the first time in person in celebration uh anaheim right and then so and we had podcasted together a few times i think before that but this was like our we actually became like buds there and, you know, you were at the last celebration with us and we had a lot of fun together. So, you know, it's a it's I'm really bummed out you won't be going, but I know you've got some fun stuff planning ahead instead. So, you know, it's a it all works out in the end. But uh, but anyway, so we expect Den of Geek uh, Star Wars our Blaster Cannon podcast to really ramp up when we get when we all get back from celebration after that. That's done. There's going to be a lot to talk about, I'm assuming. So Watch, get ready for not going to tell us the episode nine title there. That'd be amazing. I think that'd be <laughs> kind of balling, actually. What if they actually saved the episode nine title for the actual film? Like, they you didn't see it, it until the, the scroll. At all. Yeah, it's like the poster just says nine. And then the, the scroll is as actually, like, it just says the, it's the final episode. Or well, they're going back to that tradition of of A New Hope, right? Before it was called A New Hope. It oh, was yeah. Star Wars. <laughs> it's called Star Wars 9. It, just, it has no title. Exactly. They're going to give it a title in another year. Yeah. Yeah. 
so uh so anyway there's we got a couple things so it's gonna not gonna be the most intense episode today but we've got a couple things we're gonna talk about and our main our main topic today is gonna be about star wars resistance and we've talked about it on the show a little bit we've kind of the three of us have, have definitely gone on about our our thoughts about it but we it just wrapped up the series or the season uh just wrapped up excuse me and we are now have seen the entire series so far and we are kind of ready to kind of talk about it as a whole and that's going to be our main thing about this episode we're going to talk about if you haven't seen it is it worth seeing What's the strengths? What's the weaknesses? I mean, we've kind of talked about it before, but have those weaknesses and strengths stayed the same? Have they altered a little bit? We'll get mm. into that meat, the meat mm. and potatoes of, of that. Go ahead, Megan. Sorry. We'll talk about what the end of the season means for mm. the saga and for the show. So there will be spoilers. The, uh, the season finale has already aired. So throughout this, we will be talking about spoilers for the end of Resistance. Before we get to res- that, our, our main topic of Resistance, there's a couple of news items we're going to get to. And the first one is something that I know you're really excited about, Megan. So I'll kind of let you talk about this one. This one was a uh, announcement from the Star Wars uh, Publishing uh, do you want to take it away from here? Sure. So the big pre-celebration news from uh, Del Rey Star Wars was not actually a novel at all, but an audio drama called Dooku Jedi Lost. Um, they call it an audio-only story. My brain immediately went, it's an audio drama. <laughs> and yeah. it follows, it talks about the fall of Count Dooku and how he kind of became obsessed with Sith. From the description, uh, it talks about as he hones his power, Dooku rises through the ranks, befriending fellow Jedi Sifo-Dyas, taking a Padawan of his own, the promising Qui-Gon. But he finds himself drawn by a strange fascination with the Jedi Master Lean Kostana and the mission she undertakes for the Order, finding and studying ancient relics of the Sith. So... I love that we're getting more prequel content. Um, Asajj Ventress is not is mentioned briefly in this, but she seems she's on the cover, so she seems to be have a large part. We know that Ventress was Dooku's Padawan for a while, and we know that there's going to be a lot in here about Dooku kind of dealing with like his feelings about taking uh, Qui Gon as his Padawan. I love this idea of someone kind of becoming obsessed with the Sith and with the dark side. The new canon has done so many interesting things with it. I think of the Lando comic with, like, the mask that can essentially, like, possess you or increase your feelings of darkness. And this will have, uh, a, looks like a new character and these prequel characters that we know. So, and in conjunction with Master and Apprentice, we have are having such a great time for prequel content right now. So I'm really looking forward to this. It is voiced with a full cast. So there will be a narrator and then who will be the, the one who narrates a lot of star Wars books, Paul, what's his name? I'm trying to look for the list of actors who are in this. And because it has one narrator and then uh, a reader, Mark Thompson, that's the one who is, Uh He he does a lot of Star Wars audio, right? Yeah, so, Mark Thompson is. Yeah, I, I thought you were talking about a character. I was like, I was a little confused. Um, oh, I'm sorry. As far as a no, you you listen to a lot more audio than I do. So yes. Mark Thompson then joined by a full cast. So I will say the format is the least exciting thing about this to me. It's funny. It's it's making me kind of realize how I interact with media because I love getting Star Wars books in hand. I usually read them 
in the physical copies, and I also listen to narrative podcasts. So having a book from Audible, which they have not confirmed the exact format this is going to come out in, but Delray has like existing um, deals with Audible, then I'm like, yeah, but when am I going to listen to it? So the format's actually kind of, it's going to change the way I like behave or in terms of listening to narrative stuff. But you listen to audiobooks all the time. So are yeah. you super hyped for this? Yeah, I'm really excited about this. When I when I saw it, I was a little confused because it's or not confused about it's I'm a little perplexed by it because it's cool that they're trying something different and I think that's a really good idea, but exclusive audiobook uh releases is, is really kind of fascinating to me that like where they're kind of going with this with audio dramas. And as we all know, the Star Wars audio dramas, just like the radio dramas from you know back in the day, are huge. Those are huge, huge, huge popular things that people still talk about to this day and reference and things like that with all the different actors who are playing the characters. And I think that with the with the birth of digital media just growing and growing and growing and it's unstoppable right now that people want more content for their cars when they're driving and when they're going out walking or, or whatever. I, I, Coming from someone who, like you said, Megan, listens to a ton of audiobooks, loves podcasts. I mean, I'm on, I'm on like three, four podcasts, it seems like, all the time. I, I go walking on the weekends uh, by myself for about almost you know three plus miles, and uh, I'll be putting on podcasts or audiobooks on the whole time. And so with this, this is really exciting because – I love I love this kind of content for like wasting not wasting time or just kind of having time pass if you will. I think you know the thing with audiobooks by themselves when you have one narrator like like a Mark Thompson, it's not bad because Mark Thompson's a very talented you know actor narrator like dude like can tell a story and has you know, does great impressions great voices. But what's cool about the audio dramas is that you'll have different characters being played by different actors. And what's nice about that is you can, you can really immerse yourself in those characters when you do that. It's a lot, at least it's a lot easier to get transported in that world as opposed to when someone, you know, because I'll be honest, whether it's male doing a female or female doing male, I have a hard time, like, like I get kind of thrown off every time someone does that. Like, I get used to it, but I don't necessarily, it just kind of, it takes me out of it for a second. So when when the male or female are doing like their own voices or they're doing like a male voice and the, and it's their their own voice or whatever, it, it, I get kind of immersed back in it. But when it becomes like they kind of they go deep if they're low or high if they're really high to, to get that masculine or feminine voice or whatever, it just kind of throws me off and I go eh. But with a with this audio drama, it's not going to be that way. They're going to have specific things so you can really get immersed in the story. And that's really exciting. So that's really cool. And another thing I want to I want to get to this too. I, and this is what. And I don't know how long it's going to be. I'm not sure if that was in the press release or not, Megan. But you know, a lot of people were complaining like, "Why isn't this a book?" Blah blah. blah. I, I totally get it. I totally get it. But listen to this. We don't know how long this audio drama is. This audio drama could just be like 40 minutes long. Yeah, so there was, um, I'm just going to look this up real quick, because if I remember correctly, there was a statement that, a statement, my friend Tom tweeted it, that um, (laughs) that it was going to be sort of novella length, so let me see if I can find this. What does that mean exactly for people like me who are not smart and don't know what that means? Um, Between a short story and a novel. Ah, 
and see, and this, if that, so why you pull that up, let me spin on that for a second. So, and that kind of brings to my point is that this is something that is not necessarily that it's, it, if it's between a novel and a short story kind of length, I'm not sure where the market marketability is for it, if that makes any sense. And as far as specific stories like this, we don't know. And I think what I like about it is that now writers can be contracted out or or maybe they or have writers pitch ideas that don't have to be strictly novels or short stories. They can be like these audio dramas could be that thing in between where you don't want to just fluff out and put a bunch of, of excess fat on something that doesn't need to have it, right? I mean, if you pitch a novel and it's it's a perfect novel, then it, write the novel. If you pitch something that's a great story but is maybe not doesn't have the length of a novel and it's too short, it's too long for a short story, you can put it again. The audio drama is a perfect way to do that instead of having the um, having to do a you know something in the middle or something that one or the other. You can kind of have your middle ground, and that's what I feel. This, if this is successful, Megan, I think this could be the new middle ground for those pitch stories. This is an experiment. I think this is a case of they saw audio was selling well in other areas, and and want to experiment with it here. So, whether it sells well and is received well, will I think be the answer to whether there are any more of them. Um, so yeah, what, what Tom at Delray had said was that it was um, someone that's asked, is it novel equivalent length or novella? And he says between the two, not quite novel length. So novels can technically be 80,000 to 100,000 if we're really generalizing and not taking into account what genre it is. And then novella is sort of 30,000 to 60,000. I'm getting these from Google. I don't just know these off the top of my head. (laughs) That's Um, pretty impressive. (laughs) So so it would be like between 60,000 and 80,000 words, probably. I wish I could go like, this is how long that is in hours of listening, but I definitely can't do that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just think this is a great idea. And I think that this is going to be, like, like you said, an experiment. And it could be the new middle ground for Star Wars content out there. And one of the first things, and maybe you know this, Megan, is this going to get a physical release on CD format? Or is it going to be strictly digital only? Do you details, know anything about that? Details about the release has not come out yet. But as far as I'm aware, right now, there are no plans for a a text release it is advertised as an audio only experience you kind of have to which i think is makes sense financially basically because you're funneling people into the audio side of the of the offerings who may not have done that before like myself i don't have audible you know i'm not like on that side and now if i want to read this or experience this i kind of have to be so i think it's as a financial decision, I would say they are unlikely to release a text version, but there has not been an official announcement about that yet. Well, but not, not just text, though. I'm talking about like an audiobook CD, like that, because they still sell those. As oh, a CD yeah, yeah. That. Yeah. That's what I'm wondering. Because remember, my Canon shelf, I've got to get it for the Canon shelf. <laughs> so that's what I'm, that's the first thing that came to mind is, is this going to be the only CD that I get? For an actual CD compact disc audiobook or audio drama that I'm going to put in a canon shelf, I'm I'm very curious. But I don't, to be honest, I kind of think it won't because I think it, it, like you said, if it's an experiment, which I think it is, I think that's they're going to really play with the idea of. I, I I think you I think this could happen soon. 
bear with me. It like an audible, you can make audible exclusives with these things. And think about audio audible slash Amazon would pay with, with which things with the uh audio dramas with yeah. uh with Star That's Wars. What this is think, right. Is it? I don't. Well, I mean, there's other. You could probably get it through other providers, per, perhaps. But like, I'm not oh, sure if it's just an in audible. terms of platform. Yes, that's exactly. Right. And that's what I'm thinking. Like, this could be something where they could be toying with the idea of like, hey, Audible is gonna, you know, if you are with Audible, you get exclusive Star Wars content through uh, the through the app or whatever. So, because that they're all they're already experimenting with that Audible already. Like, I'm an Audible member and I get books all the time and. You know, granted, I don't listen to a bunch, but I'm, I'm accumulating them for future uses. And what's interesting is that there's a bunch of Audible exclusive right, exclusive, uh, right now. So to me, I think this is a very possible, very possible, a uh, big possibility that you could see exclusives through this, you know, because that way that's one mm-hmm. way for them to pay for it, too, is like Audible could pay for a lot of money for exclusive Star Wars rights and would make sense. And you know what? People like me would pay for it. So uh, yeah, I, well, I'll be very curious. Um, so this comes out on April 30th. Uh, the one more thing I want to add about it is that it's written by Kevin Scott, who wrote Adventures in Wild Space, which I liked and you loved, right? I, I haven't read the whole thing. I read the first book and I liked it. I, and I, he's wrote he's written some uh, some of the Star Wars adventure comics that are pretty good too. And so, uh, Time of Death in from a certain point of view, which is the obi-wan story so mm. that's pretty cool yeah, yeah he's he's done some good stuff like i i've liked and he's also i think he did castle vader if i'm not mistaken too i could be wrong i'll have to double check that but yeah no he's he's a solid writer i'm and, and, and i love count dooku i love Asajj Ventress. i love learning more about dooku this is gonna yeah. be really exciting this i'm really is curious be about great. how much Ventress knows about this stuff because the way it's framed is almost like he's dealing with his own history at the same time as he's training her and I just want to see how that works. And I hope that I hope there's good hashtag content for Ventress in this. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So we've got another uh, we've got another topic here. And I this is one I, I am not as uh, for some reason. I just this, I am not get as excited about this as other people. And it's maybe it's because. I'm eventually going to get there, but it's just not going to happen. So, <laughs> Megan, why don't you take it away and, and let us know uh, about uh, this uh, next topic? Sure. Well, Galaxy's Edge, the Star Wars land at both Disney World and Disneyland, officially has opening dates. It will be open on May 31st at Disneyland in California and August 29th at Hollywood Studios in Florida. So, Plan your vacations accordingly. I don't have too much to add about this, except that I think for Star Wars fans, these dates are going to be really milestone for some people. If you do want to get in there on day one, um, I wouldn't recommend that because <laughs> everyone's going to be trying to get in there on day one. But these lands are going to be open. We're going to start to get a crazy amount of news and pictures and etc. about those. The Star Wars Hotel. So today... I was looking up hotel prices for reasons and went like these hotels are so expensive and just like a city. The Star Wars Land Hotel experience is going to be crazy. So I'm I'm really interested to see what the pricing is there. And there's some rumors that you might get, get like the two day like package 
for the hotel with the interactive stuff and a pass to the parks all in one price. So that's something that you can eventually do when the hotel opens as well. So that's about all there is to that. It's kind of like PSA. If you're into Disney parks, if you want to try out this sort of interactive like Star Wars experience, that's when it's opening. There are probably going to be some like bugs to work out because that's how games and parks both work. And this is both of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly where I, I kind of fit in with that too, is, is kind of, I've heard through the grapevine that for Disney experts that you don't necessarily want to go the first week or whatever. You want to wait a little bit. And that's kind of been my thing. I That's why I'm kind of like, well, I'll go like six months later or whatever, because it's going to be bonkers those first six months anyway. And I, I kind of feel that people are going to take pictures and go crazy with it. And Yeah, so I have a question about that. Yeah, go ahead. Do you think that pictures of the theme park constitute spoilers in any meaningful way? Like, do you want to see, because there are going to be interactive elements and stuff, do you want to see the pictures or do you want to go to the park, quote, unspoiled, quote? Mm, I'm kind of in the camp of just kind of, I'm going to avoid what I can. But at the same time, it's a public park kind of thing. People are going to be... People are going to be excited to post their pictures. I know if I was there, I'd be posting pictures and not, honestly not caring, like, oh, I don't want to spoil that. I'm like, no, I'm going to go and I'm going to have fun. So if I see it, I see it. But if I don't seek it out, I think I'll I'll, I'll be pleasantly surprised for the most part, as long as people don't, like, want to tell me when they see me first thing or whatever in person or or whatever, if that makes any sense. So I, I'm not – I don't think it's spoilers. And it's, it's just whatever. So I agree. I kind of just had this sudden vision of people saying – that it is spoilers and and wondered whether you also lived in that world that I lived in momentarily. I'm hopefully that won't uh, actually happen. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's not it's not something I'm I'm not I, I don't think people should worry about. People shouldn't get harp on other people for quote unquote spoiling it because they're excited. If, if you know if they're gonna post pictures and a bunch following them or or whatever. It's kind of on you for following them, I guess, because you can't blame them for being excited about posting pictures at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the Star Wars land. It's going to be – I mean I'm going to go crazy when I eventually go, and I'm sure you would too. And so and anyone, any giant Star Wars fan like us would go crazy there. So, you know, we'll just be happy for them and just kind of try to avoid as much as you can and go from there. So, yeah. And that's yeah, I, a reality yeah. we're going to live in soon is that you could yeah. go – to Star Wars land. You can go to Batu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see the black trees and all that stuff. It's going to be exciting. So yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm, 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 I eventually will do it, but I'm not like, but all these announcements and all these, you know, there, there's that panel at celebration and I'm kind of like, meh, I don't have to go to that one. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right. So, anything to add? Uh, anything to add with the uh, Galaxy's Edge opening? I could be really mean and say, speaking of things that are meh, let's talk about Resistance. Oh! But... <laughs> whoa! Whoa! Wow! I had no idea you had it in you on this one. <laughs> Dang! I'm not sure Dude. if I'm offended or pleased by that comment. <laughs> well, no, no, because I thought you, I thought you liked the show more than that I thought. I do. Part part of that is definitely um I I had I went there for the joke because it was funny to me. But uh, uh, also I, I would give Resistance like a seven out of ten overall. Oh, now that okay. we've seen the whole season. Um, all right, everyone, I give it a seven out of ten too. See you later next time on Blaster. No, I'm just kidding. We got to talk about. Bye. You spoiled, you spoiled your thing. Oh no, just kidding. All right, all right. So Wait, we're moving on. Did you did you like I feel like the perfect illustration of why the show is a 7 out of 10 for me is that I really liked the first half of the finale, the the two-part finale, and the right. second part, I was just so bored. Um, I don't... I don't know, because I kind of... There's, there's a lot to talk about with that season finale, and I think that people kind of overhyped everything about the season finale a little bit. If that makes any sense, I think to I think that they showed that if they showed the episodes together, like the Rebels episodes, it would like like an hour long special. It would have been a little more impactful. I think we would, I think everyone would have like loved it. I think you would have responded yeah, to it better. I agree. I agree. So if, for people who don't know, we are going to talk about Star Wars Resistance now. Full on spoilers. We've been warned, as Megan said in the beginning. So here's a final warning. And right now, we so we've talked about this, this series before, Megan, with Saf. We've kind of gone on, and we've I've I've kind of voiced my frustrations over the show. You've kind of you've kind of voiced some uh, I think early frustrations if I'm not if I remember correctly. But you also have kind of started to like it a lot more yeah, as you watch it. The middle of the season has been the best part, I think. Right, right, right. I, and you know what? I I'm with you there. And I've I've kind of come around to the show to an extent. I don't know if I would give it necessarily a seven out of ten. I'm more of a six and a half out of ten. I know I'm splitting hairs here a little bit, but no, maybe six. I was wondering too. I was wavering there. Resistance. I love this is and again this is going to be me being a little bit petty and and again, it's not aimed for me. It's not necessarily aimed for you. It's not aimed for necessarily staff. It's aimed at younger viewers of Star Wars for little kids. We're talking ages, what, four to eight, probably. Mm-hmm. And I was asking, I like put out a question on Discord the other day. Like, if you're watching with kids, are they enjoying it? And I didn't I didn't get like responses from people that were in the right age group because we just like didn't have parents of kids that age in our Discord. But mm-hmm. I really wanted I'd really be interested to know whether kids are into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing with with the show is that I don't really know 
if it's maybe hitting its target audience necessarily. I don't know. To be honest, I really don't know. I have no idea if it is or not. And yeah, I think and that's because kind of- because we don't know, I think what we want to focus on is kind of does it work for hardcore Star Wars fans? Or exactly. Well, yeah, and I don't want to qu- quantify that, mind you. I don't want to say any particular like type of fan. Just fans, period. Does mm-hmm. it work for people that like Star Wars lore, you know, and are are into the expanded universe, right? Because that's what we're about here. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's actually really well said because this is, you know, does it appeal to, you know, is it, is it become worthy enough to watch outside of the the saga films? Like if you're a Star Wars fan and you're, or the, or you're just a strictly a film watcher and you like, you dabble a little bit in Clone Wars, you dabble a little bit in Rebels and you, you enjoy that stuff. And, but you're kind of on the fence of it. You know, I don't have a lot of time. What do I do? Like, do I waste all this time on watching resistance? We're going to answer those questions for you without spoiling too much, but, but enough to where if, you know, if, is it even worth knowing after knowing what happens, worth going and rewatching so and I if you do want to watch only certain episodes and want ah. to know which episodes are best in terms of the continuing story i have an article on dead of geek about that very topic oh, so my goodness <laughs> very 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 uh convenient so how convenient how convenient so so anyway i guess i'll kind of start it off with kind of my fine my, my final but my my overall thoughts of the series now that i've seen the the entire show so far and I can say that like I I liked I liked it for the most part. You know, this obviously is not aimed at us. It's aimed at a very younger audience. But at the same time, the problem I have with that is, and I kind of had a similar problem with Ezra, but it's even it's even more extreme with Kaz, is that the the protagonist is so adolescently like kind of geared towards the adolescence. That it's hard for me to really. <laughs> Sorry, hello, fellow adolescents. <laughs> well, he's he's goofy and like he falls down a lot and he a is lot. more cartoony. Um, mm-hmm. I think a case we got a chance to see a more serious side of Kaz in the finale with the destruction of Hosnian Prime. And I do think then in those last couple episodes, like he has a new costume. He has a slightly different look. You can tell that he's going to be a little more serious, um, but they didn't quite without losing the kind of bumbling like he's not perfect. And I like that about him. But I felt that there was not enough done to dig into his feelings in the uh, in the end of the season mm-hmm. regards to how he kind of grew or was forced to grow when he saw the destruction of Hosnian Prime and through all the things that he's done to fight the First Order. Yeah. No, I think that's kind of where, that's where I kind of fall into as well, is that because of the bumbling, it's hard to see this guy actually be able to sneak past the First Order and do the things he did. I know he's supposed to be an ace pilot, and, and that's established in the show early on and throughout the series, and it's he uses it to his advantage in the, in the uh, season finale, but it's just hard to see him survive this long with with everything when, when you know, he's on the Colossus and, and it's being taken over by the First Order. It's just hard to get by. And, I, and, and I'll be honest, he's probably my least favorite character. And I think everyone else around him is way more interesting. <laughs> I and, mean, I agree, but I'm like never. I'm always into side characters. So that doesn't mean that much. <laughs> well, I, the thing is with Ezra, 
he was interesting. And even though I, I definitely didn't like the fact that because it was on, on Disney XD, they had to kind of like, ta- you know, not tone him down. Cause they didn't, there was a lot of, there was some darkness with, with Ezra, which I like they dabbled in, but there was also, they had to make him be, you couldn't do this with Ezra. You couldn't do that with Ezra. And now he makes, he, you know, Kaz makes Ezra look like the Punisher from the Marvel comics. Basically. That's how, that's how severe, uh, well, <laughs> uh, Wait, I, I do want to, like, get a little context from that, though. Like, do sure. you basically, like, how do you back that up? Like, do what parts do you think that the studio said that they didn't allow certain things? Or do you not, is that studio. not the point you're trying to make? I, I guess what for me is because it's on, it's on Disney Channel, you cannot, you know, look at the Clone Wars. The Clone Wars was just what whatever it needed to be. And George... Again, that's kind of the the brilliance of George Lucas, in my opinion, that he knew kids are not – you don't have to put like a, I can't have them do this because it can't – that's too bad, you know? Like there's – George like kind of like a little more – he's a little he's a little more liberal in his arts, if you will, in, in a sense to where he knew what kids can handle. He knew parents – it was a good kind of – Star Wars is like a bridge to kind of like – you know, what are kids ready for and what they're not ready for? And it was pretty, pretty hairy sometimes. And again, mm-hmm. maybe I, I'd suggest that I don't think quality and level of violence essentially are quite no, as connected no, no. as you, as you kind of are implying they are. Well, no, no, well, hear me out here. What I'm saying is that it's whatever George wanted it to be. And that's what I thought was so good about it because you'd have lighthearted episodes. Like I love the, the Jogan fruit episode where 3PO and R2 go to a spa. I mean, again, and then 3PO gets like tortured later on. I mean, like it, it's funny and it's, it's kind of a little bit dark. But that's the brilliance of Clone Wars. It was all over the map. There was like some dark episodes or some light episodes. There were some like really violent episodes. There was like hardly any violent episodes that were still good. Resistance and I did have like the First Order going after those kids. It does have the destruction of Hosni and right. Prime. I think it doesn't sink into those things maybe as much as you want it to. Well, but, but here's the thing. And again, like I, I think it's we're talking about the context of the studio, right? And that's what I'm talking about. Like I think that I'm not saying you have to have those things all the time. It's just to have the freedom to do those things. And Rebels, you could see. I guess where, I'm saying I don't know enough about standards and practices to assert that the studio uh-uh. refused to do some things. Well, well, I get, the reason I say that is because Disney Channel, obviously, they're not going to have Ezra. Like for instance, if you look on the ep- look on Resistance, I've noticed this too. They all use the stun. There's no, there's never actual straight blaster fire. And in Rebels, it was there was periodically you, you could you could see there's strategic stuff of when people could use they would they'd fire the blasters regular fire uh, blaster fire they hit him in the shoulder or in a non deadly body part again that's all purposeful because that's again it's like I, I've done some research on it because like back in the 90s uh, oh, sorry, Steph, uh Megan there was Spider-Man uh, the animated series and there was a, a contingency on the character that he could not punch anybody. So in the whole series of like four or five seasons, Spider-Man never punched someone. He only swung around and kicked people. I, I never I'm noticed thinking that. Thinking about how Kaz, how the 
the writer's room and the standards and practices sets are two different people and Kaz's like bumbling nature is more yes. built in to his characterization than it is into what is allowed. So for example, like built into Spider-Man's characterization, right, is that he's from Brooklyn, right? Is that he's kind of a wisecracking kid. Those are the things that would not change if you changed the level of whether of violence or whether he's allowed to punch someone. Kaz's kind of goofiness is just built into his character. I still think uh, he would be goofy if he was in a PG-13 rated movie. <laughs> but but it, but here's the thing though. The difference is I think you'd have to be in order to make your main character. And again, I'm not seeing PG-13 either. All I'm saying is that you need to make Kaz more capable of or believable that he's capable of doing things as a spy for the resistance and and be able to you know fight him his way through the first order. Now now granted, I think it did a terrible job at first, and again they and the story is it builds as it goes, and it does a better job of building towards that towards the end of the series. And I think it definitely is he seems more capable, but it still is kind of a stretch. And that was my main problem with Kaz. Again, not that he's like, again, not the Punisher. I don't. He doesn't need to be this ultra violent character. But it was. It's hard for me to get behind the protagonist when he's just falling off the Colossus eighty percent of the time. And whether that's inherently built into the character or not, like Ezra. In again, go back to Ezra, right? Rebels. He's a very lighthearted character for the most part. And he's always cracking jokes and, and getting in trouble with Zeb or whatever and Chopper and things like that. But he still has good character moments and has moments of her, you know, being a hero. Mm-hmm. And you, you can at least get behind, I, even though I had problems with some of the same things that Kaz has, I can eventually, I still don't, I respect and liked Ezra's character enough to where I would never say that he's not capable of doing things. My major complaint was you could tell it's on a on a, on a major uh, network and not George Lucas because he's he's not like he's not harming people the same way as Kanan and the adults do because he's a kid they can't have him do things so parents can't get mad and say you're teaching my kids to hurt people with lightsabers because he's a kid and they <laughs> identify themselves with him. that's exactly what it is and again they play around they I think Rebels did a brilliant job playing around that don't get me wrong because they do and I love Rebels I want to make that very clear I have there's a I only have a few minor quibbles with Rebels and in it's very it's only a few episodes per season, but with resistance, Kaz is so blatantly aimed at that younger audience, and he's so bumbling. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just hard for me to get behind him when everyone like like Yeager, even uh, 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 oh my gosh, I forgot his name, uh, Niku. Niku is so <laughs> I, I like Niku more than Kaz because Niku is at least you kind of know what you're getting, and it's not I don't know, it's not shoved in my face where it's like there are... hey. Good. There are a lot of characters in this season that are more interesting from Kaz and uh, are more interesting than him. And I think while we may disagree on why that is, I think we agree that like uh, Sinara, Niku, Tam, mm-hmm. Yeager are all more interesting characters. Yes. So when I was watching the the finale, right, I found myself very much neutral on Kaz, not really concerned too much. Um, but the the interaction between Tam and Yeager was like the big emotional moment where I finally kind of felt like the show had 
made me worried about the characters and made me worried about what would happen to them and what decisions they would make. Um, Because we see the way Tam is kind of tempted over to the First Order, which, oh my gosh, I just want her to come back. Like, I want her to be a good guy again. And Mm -hmm. um, I found all those things far more interesting than, than Kaz. Talking about what we want to see next season, I do think... There will be more fallout from Hosnian Prime because that was Kaz's home world. His parents are there. And presumably, they might not have been there at that time, but that's the idea that he at least thinks they're dead. And uh, I'd like to see more about that, about who are the survivors of Hosnian Prime. Like, or, well, not the survivors, but like all Duranian people were off planet when that happened and there were some of them left. How does Kaz kind of deal with that? Does he ever talk to Leia about that? I think that would be a great conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they have something you know to relate to. That's a really great point. Those are all things that are really interesting in in Resistance and going forward with it. I, for me, Star Wars Resistance. I like the idea. Again, this is a major spoiler, so sorry if you haven't seen it yet. But it's it's worth seeing because I think the last couple episodes, I think the last like three four episodes are 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 really good. I think the last, I'd say the last half. If you if you even wanted to skip the first half, I wouldn't blame you. Huh. And you could probably, if you could just go like right t- towards the middle, you know, maybe the last like six, seven, eight episodes kind of go start from there. I think you're going to get some really solid star Wars stuff. I like the idea of the Colossus being a spaceship for some reason. I always thought that I, I and I'm not trying to be like, well, I always thought that no, it, yeah. know, it was a surprise. I, I always assumed the Colossus was a, uh, a space station at, at, at of some kind it so feels inevitable in a way that is surprising and i don't really know how yes. to express that except that you get the idea that it's sealed right it's you found out in the middle of the season that the colossus was much bigger than it looked which is great and that the bottom is presumably sealed it, it's it's watertight right so definitely had this idea of like it can move but then they reveal excuse yeah. me they reveal the hyperdrive, which is a pretty cool moment. I was I was worried about the other people in that ship. Like, do other people, are they all surprised that they've been in lockdown for like a day? Everyone's going to be so confused. No, that's a, and that's a great point. It, it definitely felt like a surprise enough, but it was so obvious that you just kind of, you weren't surprised. And that's kind of the thing. I guess when I first saw the the first couple episodes and you learned about the Colossus and what it represents and then how it's in the middle of nowhere, I kind of assumed it could always move off planet if needed. And I think what's cool about this is that it can now trans, you know, every season that resistance goes on, there's going to be a new planet. It can be on, it might not be on a water planet all the time. It could be on like a, a, like a very desolate planet. Do you think it would have to be on a water planet? Because it's so, I like this idea, but I also just think about the shape of it. It like would need to, I don't think it can sit on its end. Like Voss's ship and solo, maybe it can, but like that would look weird. I feel like it it would have to be in water or like uh, in a Canyon or something. Yeah. I, that's a good point. I don't know. I, I think that this is science fiction, fantasy, I mean, Megan. Fair. Anything, anything, anything is possible. So I mean, you're not wrong either. But I also think that you could, you, you want like, to. I realize it's, it's science fiction, but look at Voss's ship. Voss's ship was like balanced yeah. on the end of it, 
but it was significantly smaller than the Colossus. So I don't know. It also depends on how much budget they want to spend. Exactly. Off the yeah. Yeah. I, I guess for me is if, if the story, if you want to have a different like feel for every season, at, at least change your, uh, your surroundings and not have it be the same thing over and over again, you don't, you could do it on land and, and figure out, figure out a way around it. But maybe you bring up a good point. Maybe it's meant to be on water and it just it changes itself in different you know parts. Maybe they wind up on Octu, you know, <laughs> on the next <laughs> on the next season. I mean, I, and that's kind of what's interesting about this is that you know talking about what happens on the next season, you know, it because right now it's it's they're they're headed to Dequar, right? Like the very end, Niku well, they is want like, to. They, they were trying to, which I thought when they when they were talking about, it, I'm like, well, aren't they gonna like meet the first order and get blown out of the sky then as soon as they get there? But then when Niku's like, I have no idea where we're going, it's like, okay, Niku sense. was the one where I was like, okay, this is too much now. Like he was funny for me for a while, but there were parts in this episode that were clearly supposed to be funny where I was just like, he's just annoying now. He's a sweet I, boy. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't say it funny. to his face. But. I, to, okay, I, I, I at first could not stand Niku. Like, literally, like he was too much. And now I'm all in. I hate to say it. I'm all in because he's so ridiculous and he's just so... It's I I think I like him ironically like he's so bad I'm just like of course I love Nikki he's terrible he's a terrible character I, I'm not going that far but it's almost to that bad but I I just for some reason he doesn't bother me again I don't mind that a side character is that ridiculous again if Kaz was a side character falling off the Colossus every other episode I probably wouldn't mind him either. Because he is the main character, it's like, uh, why couldn't Yeager be the main character? Like that to me seems more interesting. Like, like yeah. a more rugged, like, like character. I mean, he's cool. And Bucket's a great droid. I love Bucket. So Yeager has such a clear backstory. I love the part. Oh my gosh, what's that? Tam says to him. Well, he says that they were like family, which I think we didn't see quite enough in the show. Uh-oh, and she says something like, "You're just gonna, you're just gonna." hurt when you're trying to help and that's when i was like whoa because that calls back to his experience with his brother and like he has this guilt and i don't know that like gave me feelings yeah there was again megan you're touching on something exactly is the problem instead of being an, an ensemble like like rebels even though ezra was the main character oh my gosh don't even get me started on how we haven't met the aces yet (laughs) yeah yes thank you i kept thinking we're gonna meet the um what's his name the uh the guy steve steven stanton voices the tie fighter uh, guy the tie fighter play yeah you don't even finally had lines but i know but they meant so little because we like don't know any of these people except for hype right well it's funny because i I, I almost thought when he talked, I went, wait a minute, was that the first time he talked? No, no way. I must have been not paying attention in one of the early episodes because he clearly has said something besides that. But you just confirmed to me that he doesn't. If this he is said like, something before that, it was so minor that it like hardly registered. Okay, fair enough. So I, I think that where I think the show kind of where I, maybe what they can do is in the next season, let's go away from Kaz. 
because now we know he's, he's not hiding. He's a spy. He doesn't have to be the main character. You've established the whole surroundings. Let's turn it into a more of a rebels ensemble piece. And let's get more Yeager episodes, meaning mm. let's act, let's actually focus on Yeager for like more than just one episode about his brother. Let's get I some mean, like Yeager and Bucket episodes. I totally agree. As much as I totally would watch those episodes and hope that's what Alphabet Squadron is. Um, I also think that Cass isn't going anywhere. If it's going to be more of an ensemble, it's going to be Cass, Giger, Niku, and Sainara, which, like, I'm so glad my girl Sainara's back. Um, trying to get all of them trying to get Tam back, I think, is going to be a major thing. Yeah, I, but that's again their past and their connection. And, you know, all that to me. <sighs> That's going to be interesting stuff. Like where exactly does the, where exactly does their relationship start? Where does it go through? You know, he obviously had a family before, not anymore. And how he put that on, you know, projected that onto, to her, all those things. It's really fascinating. Those are the things we need to see in resistance, less bumbling Kaz, or maybe again, maybe Kaz grows up a little bit through all this, maybe make him not falling off the Colossus every other episode. Let's let's develop these characters. And that's one thing I think Lucasfilm animation has done a great job of is developing characters. Look at Ahsoka. Ahsoka's one of the greatest examples mm-hmm. of that. That's a good a example char- of a character that changes a lot and grows a lot. I think not in not with as much depth as there could have been, but she grows and changes. She's a very different person in season five than she was in season one. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's what they need to do with Kaz. So now that he's, he's our, if, if we're going to go that route and you're going to grow the character, let's have him not be that bumbling fool this season. Let's tone that back a little bit, not even a little bit. Let's have about 50%. Let's just go back. Let's do a big chunk of it because he's already established now He's gone through some some bad times. He's gone through some some work. He's done he's done some some war stuff. Let's him let him grow from that as a character. Let him be a little more serious. He saw his home planet blow up for God's mm-hmm. sakes. So let's have him grow. I think we're gonna also get that tied into whatever happens after episode nine because now we're in the Force Awakens, which kind of real quick, I just kind of can't get over how I predicted on this very podcast that we would get a Kylo Ren cameo. We did not get one at all because Kylo Ren's currently busy. So that's not going to happen, <laughs> or at least it hasn't happened yet. And then with The Last Jedi coming right after The Force Awakens, the Resistance sits right in that spot. So I wonder whether if Kaz is still a Resistance spy, obviously, um, is he going to, how are they going to explain whether he does or does not join up with Leia's fleet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so I guess kind of wrapping up our projections for season two, do we think that this is going to be timeline wise with, uh, go past the last Jedi or during the last Jedi? Is <laughs> it go, is a fast forward through to episode nine timeline to get in line with that? There's a lot of different things to consider here, right? Yes, and I don't, because my prediction for last season was wrong, I don't really want to jump to make a new prediction, but I think it's going to go either one of two ways, depending on what happens in episode nine, and that's that it's going to be in that gap between The Last Jedi and nine, and the Resistance is licking its wounds, and I don't know, Lando is there, and like, 
people are like Lando and Leia are organizing something or whatever happens between episodes eight and nine that the resistance uh, crew will, the show will join the resistance crew, the fleet at some point, or Mm. it's going to be super compressed. And the entirety of season two is going to take place during and right after the last Jedi. I think it's going to be either, very close or very far away and not depending on where they want to put other seasons. I I'm just seeing this timeline of like, how are they going to connect to whatever happens after episode nine? Cause that's several years later. Hmm. Well, considering the last Jedi takes place over what, like two days. Um, yeah. A couple <laughs> weeks. Yeah. I, 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 I joke mainly cause you know, my my thoughts of Last Jedi are very complicated at best. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, that's a, that's a really good point. There's, you could see that the Resistance could be just kind of follow more of a very traditional timeline of, like, just very little time between seasons, uh, if they get to season three. And if between episodes eight and nine, they kind of maybe maybe resistance even fleshes out some ideas. Maybe Ray shows up in season three. Some really interesting oh, ideas cool. you could do with that. Yeah. So there's there's definitely there's a lot of potential here with resistance, but I just don't know. I'll be honest, Megan. I don't know if it's gonna last more than two seasons. I think with if I make a if I may make a bold prediction, which you know I love to do. I think that resistance will last one more season and then after this they'll kind of will they'll reevaluate and and with and depending on the success of the Disney streaming service and the Clone Wars yes yes I I really do think if the Clone Wars blows the heck up and it blows and the viewership on that is out of control and you see resistance pales in comparison or is like it resistance is strong, but like Clone Wars is stronger. You could see a change potentially. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but mm-hmm. I think there's a very good chance and I'm going to predict it's going to happen because people are just ready for that Clone Wars material. They that's are ready. Ex- that's exactly what I was going to say. It depends on what the viewership is and how much money it's making. And I mean, I, if they end up making more seasons of Clone Wars after this, I'm going to have to do some serious soul searching and figure out why it is that I don't like Clone Wars when everyone loves it so much. But why do you do this to me? regardless, um, that is obviously a very popular show. So I think it's plausible that there might they might end up competing with themselves in that way and Resistance would be the the one that ends up getting put on the sidelines for that. I don't know. Yeah, there's I, I just think that there's a lot there's a lot of people who want the Clone Wars. And I think what's what's gonna be interesting about this, Megan, is that you'll have we don't know when, when the Clone Wars obviously is coming out, right? We don't know. But we do know that the Mandalorian is coming out with the streaming service. So the Mandalorian is gonna set the table for regular st- or the the stay the um Mainstream Star Wars fans, I should say, the people who are the cat, that mainstream, but the casual, excuse me, the casual. And if the Mandalorian sucks them in, and then all of a sudden they, they get 
all of a sudden, oh, I see Star Wars. There's new, what's this Clone Wars stuff all about? And they click on it, and there's all like six, seven seasons of Clone Wars, and they're like, oh my gosh. And all, and again, Netflix has been, from what I'm, what I've heard, hugely successful with having the Clone Wars on it. And you know, the Clone Wars is going right back to uh, uh, the street, the Disney streaming service. People are gonna maybe start diving into the Clone Wars, and they start seeing like these new episodes. What's this? And all of a sudden, maybe through all of that. I get my again. I, I've talked about it before with this kind of the the bumbling and kind of the goofiness of resistance. Yes, maybe, you have talked about th- it before, right? But with that that all being said, maybe the streaming service is the way they go for a for a Clone Wars like television series or a cartoon series that's not going to be the resistance. Because because one thing I will say, and I want to make this very clear for people who are you know, or on the fence with the show, the show's not bad. I want to make that very clear. Resistance is not a bad show. It just, it just, it feels very, I've made the comparison before. I'm going to say it again. It's like you're having, you want a snack and you, you know, you want, or you want like a cheeseburger, but you get a, a fun sized bag of M&Ms. I just found it's, myself drifting away from it at times. I found myself yeah, checking exactly. social media during it a lot. And I don't know if that's because it didn't feel like it added enough to the canon and didn't kind of engage with the existing stories as much. Like, uh, Rebels ended up really engaging with some of the Jedi lore and with showing the the effects of the Empire. Because Resistance had that idea of showing who the everyman was and keeping it mostly out of the war, which I think is a great idea. Like, I have to emphasize, I love that idea of, like, what are just average people doing during this war? But that also makes it a little less intense. And I think we felt the lack of that intensity. Yeah. No, exactly. And I think what will be interesting is if the Disney streaming service has success with all of their new Star Wars programming, meaning the Clone Wars, the Mandalorian, I think we're going to have more animated series potential. I think in the future, potential animated films. And I take Resistance animation style. I think the animation style is phenomenal. I yeah, love the animation. Yeah, me a lot. Oh, I love it. Like, I, the droids yeah. look super good in this style. Yes. Phasma looks good in this style. The, the 2D, the 2D works. I know it's 2D, 3D, but the 2D works. The oh, colors kinda, look worked. That kind of connects to what Saf was gonna say. <laughs> oh, go ahead. You want it? What was Saf gonna want? She wanted to have one little snippet of uh, what she wanted to talk about resistance. What was yeah. that again? Saf's uh, a contribution was that she loves Bitey, and Bitey is the little gorg that hangs out with the mechanics, and uh, yeah, that's that's her her thought. And I know that I think she likes the droids too, but I don't know. We'll have to talk about that. I like the droids. There were so many so many ball droids in this show. Yeah, there was there was a lot of cool. I think aliens, droids. I love the the mix of new to old aliens to the old OT aliens to ST aliens to PT aliens. There's yeah, that's a good point. It's a, it's a great it, again. The designs were all there. Even like even though I felt that they were definitely uh, pushing the envelope a little bit of some of their costumes, like for the flight outfits, like Tora Doze's outfits, really really bright and cartoony, but it works. And I really feel that. I, it really grew all the designs that all those kind of newer designs grew on me and it felt star Wars and I was really excited about it. So I love the designs of the show. So for me, the, 
it's like the overall tone was mis- was kind of misplaced at times, but the everything else about it I think is is top notch. And I think I would I would totally watch an animated show on Disney uh, uh, streaming service that exp- like kind of shows maybe a little bit more like towards uh, I wouldn't say kid friendly, but I'd say family friendly, a little bit more adult, but not adult enough where it's like a dark show only for me. I want a show where everyone has a little bit of everything in it. Like a rebels, like a clone wars. I, I take somewhere in between rebels and clone wars. Even I want something like that. I don't want that other stuff. Maybe you still have that somewhere, but maybe that make that Lego star Wars with a free maker adventures and, not, and that line of, of, of stuff. Mm. I don't have to, that stuff is fine for that stuff's fine. That could be its own thing. It's an interesting point. Just thinking about that, I've laughed more at the Lego video games than I have at Resistance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So because it's not be taken, it's not supposed to be taken seriously. And again, it, it, you kind of come into that with that mentality because it's not actually the real canon Star Wars. So mm. again, mm. don't want to put things in a well like, pre-maker event. You know what I mean. Like, I think it's not... we could have a long conversation about jokes in Star Wars, but that's con- that conversation just has been had. Like, I don't think we need yes. to necessarily. Not, not, not today, anyway. Not today. So wrapping yeah. up our our conversation today, which I'm, I'm a bum that Saf couldn't be here to kind of defend, yell at me, and say how I'm being ridiculous or or what. And Megan, you did a good enough job of doing that. Um, I, I think, accidentally but, uh, took Saf's role as uh, as defendant. Yeah, which is fine. Which is fine. Which is this is why we have we have the podcast the way it is because I I definitely have controversial opinions at times and that's fine. But I for for people who you know are on the fence about just kind of diving into it, I'd say if you've got time to kill, it's it's worth watching. If you're a Star Wars fan, mm-hmm. if you've got limited time to kill, watch the last six to eight episodes. You'll be good. They they run by quick. They're not. There's not a lot of substance to them. But they're not terrible. And the animation is like if you want to like like for me, I played my bass while I watched a lot. And that was a good time for me to get some bass playing in and to get still like see some good Star Wars stuff. So it was a perfect if you've got some busy work to do, throw it on. You'll I think you'll thoroughly enjoy it. Don't go sit down expecting Last Jedi or The Force Awakens or Rogue One. You're not that's that's not the role of this not not rebels not clone wars mm. so th- yeah, yeah but it's think, not bad yeah if you're on the fence about it watch a couple episodes see what you think if you like characters like poe dameron and captain phasma do check out um den of geek has like a guide to kind of the most essential episodes i'm sure you can find uh out you know which episodes those characters appear in they're definitely worth watching for that if you want to see those connections to the saga but otherwise like try it out maybe you'll latch onto a character my experience with resistance has been like i love yeager but i want more from him and i think love but want more it kind of sums up my feelings about this show that well said well said. I think that's I I think it's funny, even though we disagree on a lot of things, it sounds like we're more in line than we think. Or not think, but like it's you know, more we're more in line than we realize, maybe. So For sure. I think that's uh, kind of why yeah. we get into the weeds a little bit, because we have the same opinions for different reasons, which is yeah, interesting. Yeah. Or, yeah, excuse me. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, did I get right. that the right way around? <laughs> no, I think you did. I think you actually nailed it perfectly. Well said as always, Megan. Way, way better spoke well spoken than me. I'll say that. Uh, all right. So 
So anyway, I guess we'll wrap up our episode with that. Um, like I said, everyone, we're going to have a lot to talk about next month. And I'm not sure how we're going to do it, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I, I'm going to tell you right now that it's either going to be broken up in multiple episodes or we're going to have a, a real barn burner of an episode where it's going to be a long, long time. So so anyway, uh, you know, get ready. There's going to be lots to talk about in a few in a few weeks. And you're going to get an episode right here via the Den of Geek podcast network, uh, via Den of Geek, Blaster Cannon Pod cast. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So wrapping up here, Megan, where can people find you and see your amazing work? Oh, well, I don't know about amazing work, but you can find the words that I put in order uh, on Den of Geek on StarWars.com and in Star Wars Insider. My Twitter is at blog full of words. Excellent. And you can find me on multiple other podcasts right now. You can find me on the Marvel Newscast with my buddy Sean Gerber and I. We do a Marvel show pretty much, I'd say, almost close to once a week, if not bi-weekly. Um, but it really kind of depends on the kind of the news cycle, but we get at least a couple, two to three shows in sometimes four shows in a month. And, uh, it's great stuff. We do a lot. We, do, we cover all the MCU going on. There's a lot of MCU stuff going on with all the Disney purchase, uh, the Disney purchase of Fox. Um, and, uh, with Endgame coming out, we have a huge new Endgame series. We're going through like kind of the progression of the characters from their, uh, from phase one all the way to Endgame. And then we, we're also leading up to the, our giant Endgame episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We have a Patreon. We have an exclusive Discord through the Patreon. Lots of exclusive shows through Patreon. Patreon. Uh, Patreon. I can't say Patreon for some reason, but uh, yeah, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of fun, and I think it's really, really cool. And I, I've been doing uh, my show with Sean for years now, and and it's uh, Sean is the reason I'm in the podcast business in the first place. So definitely check out Marvel Newscast uh, podcast. Also check out my other Star Wars podcast with my very, very good friends, Kyle and Tim. The saga continues. We kind of cover all kind of kinds of stuff, kind of like blaster cannon, but a little, we do a little bit, maybe a little bit more in, in a, just kind of a little bit of everything and, uh, love those guys are really good friends of mine. And, uh, yeah, I'll, you'll, we're go right now. We're going through all the commentaries. We're doing commentaries for all the, uh, Star Wars live action films and not including the Ewok films, even though I protested. And uh, <laughs> so we just did, we just wrapped up the prequel trilogy. Um, we're releasing them one every month leading up to episode nine. We've got a, obviously a bunch more to go, but those have been a, a blast to do. So definitely check those out on the saga continues. So, and you can find, oh, go ahead, Megan, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. All right. So, uh, yeah, I just uh, I guess you can also find me on Twitter at Herman 22 with two ends, a.k.a. Pete Thug. There we go. Also, that's me. That reminds me uh, if while we're promoting podcasts, I'm currently doing Vongcast on the Tashi Station Network where myself. Yeah, I don't know where (laughs) that came from. Um, myself and, uh, my friends are reading the entire 19 book New Jedi Order. We just finished reading Traitor by Matthew Stover, widely known as being very Baroque and very dark. And so that will be our next episode and that's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're interested in the New Jedi Order from Legends, you can check that out. That's awesome. And I know there's someone 
you can trust with legends as far as new jedi order it's gonna be megan she'll give you the she'll give you the 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 good deets all the <laughs> way around did. so this is like the little known blaster cannon lore um i don't know if you know this paul uh when so john saavedra editor at den of geek and i did like one episode of a star wars podcast together that was like what this podcast was before it reached its final form and it was called mm-hmm. world ship after the the ships in the new jedi order you told me about that a, a while ago when we kind of we, we were, oh, okay. we were talking about this in its infancy. So yeah, I, I remember, I remember that actually. So that's I remember I, <laughs> I remember thinking world ship. That's very interesting. I I never read the New Jedi Order. That was talk about two in the weeds. That was two in the weeds for me <laughs> to be it was honest. Extremely you know? in the weeds. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little too extreme. I remember you know as a as a Star Wars fan wanting to get back in the EU and then looking at that going. No, I'm good. It's just like, being like, yeah, it's pretty wild. It seems it seems wild. It seems wild. So, all right, everyone, thank you so much for listening to the latest edition of Blaster Cannon. We'll be back in a few weeks with a lot of celebration news. So long, everybody.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.